You are listening to iRadio TT online all the time. Welcome to Music Matters, the Caribbean edition. The podcast series featuring news, interviews and analysis of all the music from the islands. Welcome ladies and gentlemen to Music Matters. The Caribbean edition, I am Laura Dorit Phillips. And I am Nigel Campbell. And once again, we're talking about the business of music here in the Caribbean. Yes, we are, Nigel. Yes, we are. And this is our first podcast for 2021. We were in a bit of a, a hiatus enjoying the Christmas and, well, what turned out to be the no carnival, carnival season. Because we officially no didn't have carnival. a carnival in Trinidad, but it turned out to be a pretty busy season, right, Nigel? I agree with you. The, um, I, I had some issues, of course, with the statement of Carnival is not on in Trinidad and Tobago in 2021, and I blogged about that. But at the same time, a lot of interesting things happened in 2021. I mean, if the COVID pandemic has, COVID-19 pandemic has been a disruptor into how we understand Carnival and certainly how we understand soca music. And it created opportunities for us here and I guess throughout the Caribbean in how we engage with the soca music and thing. But I think critically for us in terms of our, our podcast here in 2021, and once again, welcome to all our listeners, is um, the music didn't stop. Artists continued making music, which is a good thing. Um, I'm not sure if the numbers were as high as previous years, but artists were making music. I mean, the topics talked about no carnival and that kind of stuff, They were, as well as straight up soca tunes that we are custom, you know, jam, wine, love, all that kind of stuff. So... But Laura, since you're the journalist here, tell me what was your overview of the Soka songs for 2021? Well, first, you know, I have to give kudos to our artists. They really stepped up. I was very impressed that people just kept working, you know. The, the volume of, of music release wasn't obviously as much as previous years when we had a carnival season. But this carnival, this, this no carnival season, the artists kept on making music and quality music too. Some songs, I mean, I actually think some songs need to be refixed and released, released next time there's a carnival. Cause it was so good. We had mm-hmm. some really outstanding, you know, pieces of work being released. Um, so kudos to our artists for just keeping the music alive, you know. I was really mm-hmm. impressed. And I just, I just, I, I, it, it really shows that, that carnival for us is not just a festival. It's not just a, a parade. It's so much more. And it's not something that is just controlled by the state. You know, we, yes. we, it's, it's a, it's a whole ecosystem. There's so many things that, that contribute to what carnival is and the music is a large part of it. And what, why, what we, what for me really stood mm. out is that usually the, the artists are considered part of the, the whole system of fets and that kind of thing. And they rely a lot on, on promoters to give them a, a platform. What we saw happening this year is mm. that the artists took their own fate, their own careers into their hands. And give us, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, they had the output. They gave us concerts. They gave us performances. They didn't. They didn't need to rely on a promoter or anybody to say, oh, or a gatekeeper to say, hey, I want you for a show. I want you for this. They took mm-hmm. matters into their own hands. So we had so many concerts happening. We had Nadia Batson, Kess, um, mm-hmm. Bungie mm-hmm. and Fayan. We even, Bungie. we, mm-hmm. you know, we second had star. we had Naira, We had Second Star. We had Ulfan doing other thing. Mm-hmm. We had. There was so many, there was so many things happening with the artists. And I think this is a year when the artists really, if they didn't realize it before, I think they should have realized that this year that they are 
such an integral part of the festival and they could really mm-hmm. own their content and own what they are delivering to us. They don't need to rely on somebody to give them a space anymore. They could take matters into their own mm-hmm. hands. As well as a promoter, shameless plug, jazz artist and degree, <laughs> I have to be aware that the idea of the gatekeeper and the promoter and, and their role in the ecosystem, as you say, has kind of gone to the bottom as it was. And you're correct. I mean, a lot of artists came to the fore and artists who generally normally be promoted in a FET or in an environment with multiple um, other artists came straight to the fore and thing. And I always remember one of them that stood out for me was Nadia Batson, who had an absolutely brilliant concert down at Five Islands Resort in, in Chagarama Centre and that. And I think what stood out for me clearly was the, the idea of engaging with a, with a TV screen to watch a concert. You know, for, for years and years, we had this kind of blank thing, one kind of panning and left and right, and that's it. And the, the cameramen would walk off and that kind of stuff. But what has happened certainly in 2021 is that we have some new innovations, drones, you know, swooping cameras, and a lot of things that you've seen on, on major international concerts happening there. And um, you'll have to correct me on this one, but I think... The producer of that concert was a local producer named Navrindra Habugan. Is that correct? Yeah, I think he, he was definitely was central to the production of Nadia Batson's show. Um, and he has also mm-hmm. been very central to the production of Kessel's shows. So, um, so guys, yes. actually, we, we, we talk about the man, but we actually have him here with us today on our podcast. Right here, live and about, direct. Live and direct to talk about what we saw happening in this season, the whole emergence of the made-for-television soccer shows, concerts, live streaming, and how that plays into helping us to, to push the industry, really. Um, so, Navendra, welcome to Music Matters. Hey, thank you very much for having me, Laura, Nigel. Thanks for being here. Thanks so, for being here. Thanks for being here. Navendra, for those listeners who may not be familiar with you, I mean, we would they would probably see the NH Productions logo at the end of, of if they watch your credits for different events. But for those who don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm a videographer. I, I started up doing this in 2012, 2013 as a need to promote carnival because I had a carnival section with uh, Trinity Ramblers. And I, I, I wanted to use video. Um, nobody was doing it at the time to promote carnival, mass on your own. Wow. And uh, um, I went out to a few people to help me, but they, either the price was cost prohibitive for me, I couldn't afford it, um, or they didn't understand the vision that I had. So I just bought a camera, trained myself how to do it, filmed my own carnival section, put out those videos, and the rest is history. People saw what I was able to do, and I started to get jobs doing, um, working for promoters, um, different, you know, different aspects, and then it, 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 it spawned into corporate, and then the entertainers started to come on board. And actually, Nadia Batson was the first um, artist that, that that used my services um, oh, wow. in video from since oh. back in 2013. Wow, what so, event was that? Uh, so this was just to do recap videos for her, small recap videos for her for performances, especially when because she was she was heavily promoting the SAS band. SAS band was new. I think it was like two or three years old at that point in time. So I was part of the team um, back in 2012-2013 doing that. Um, and then graduated from that, Farmanapi came on board. He he contacted me to work with him. Um, and that doesn't mean that I left out Nadia. I was still working with Nadia and working with Farmer, then followed by Kesley Ban uh, and then Marshall. So those were the four major artists that I worked for 
over the past several years as as being their kind of in-house videographer for doing event recaps, mm -hmm. touring with them. So I spent the last five, six years just touring, touring the world, going to fets all over the all over the globe. Wow. Wow. And, and so wow. And so 2021 was uh, took you to a different well I guess starting from 2020 during the pandemic pandemic took you to a different level with now having to create made for TV events or is that something you had started doing prior? But okay. So I always had a a, a yearning and a desire to to create made for TV events. And what I did back in 2014 was that I wanted to train myself in how to do these type of big big productions like you would see for Super kind of thing. Um I, I mean I there was a complaint that the quality of the, the production coming out of Supermonarch back in those days was not not that stellar. So I wanted to see, you know, what what problems they were having, how I could make how I could improve on it. So I went down to Sukamonak, you know, through the through the proper channels, set up my cameras, filmed a few performances, edited it and put it out. Like for instance, Masha's like a boss, uh, voices, uh, and then in the following years, voices, um, um, performances, and all of the victory performances for for a few years. I put it out, and people were very receptive to the quality of the production that I was putting out. Just with my little small cameras set up here and there, and my editing skills, and it's from that spawned the love for doing um, broadcast quality um, works for for these live performances and issues. And 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 I always had that in me. So when the pandemic hit, and we could no longer travel because normally how my season operates, I would work Trinidad Carnival with Marshall and Kess and Farmer, right. and we would do all 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 the shows, whatever, how many fifty, sixty, seventy shows um, for the carnival season. Mm. And right after carnival, we are on the road, you know, where, um, wherever mm. we go in with, with with each of these artists. Um, but now there wasn't that opportunity to go on the road so we were just grounded we were just here home and the, the opportunity arose where the first opportunity was uh, we were i was contacted by um Weadka, which is the west indian the american um parade labor day and i i'm very familiar with the organization because of farmers involvement in it um as a performer as a, as 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 mm -hmm. touring with farmer, you get to know all the, the promoters and that kind of thing. And I'm also farmer's road manager, so I'm okay. very into the business of okay. of the um of dealing of dealing with the promoters. And they also know that I am also a videographer. So they contacted me mm -hmm. to hire farmer um to do the show, and also was talking to me about uh, producing the show um from the Trinidad aspect of it. And they told me that they had other mm -hmm. artists like Nyla and Kesley Band. Um, on board. So I took that up as an opportunity to say, hey, let's see what we can do and let's see how we can put together a production that is for TV. So we worked right. closely with them mm -hmm. and we, we created this virtual event for Labor Day, mm -hmm. which we filmed way, way in advance. It was pre-recorded and put mm -hmm. it together with, with their production people in, in New York and created a show. And, and we, filmed, we filmed most of it in Kessel's barn room. And while I liked mm. the outcome of the show, I thought that we could have done it better. How I do productions is that it's not scientific. It's that I produce things I like to see. And I've been to so many events over the past five years, probably somewhere between 500 to 1,000 events I stopped checking wow. that I've worked right. in. And I've seen mm. productions all over the world. I know what works and what doesn't work. 
what could translate to TV and what can't translate to TV. Right. And mm-hmm. so we took that Riyadka, we took that Riyadka production, and I looked at it and I was like, we could do better than this. So then another opportunity um, came up, which was r- kind of in parallel, which was the Brooklyn Festival. There was a Brooklyn Festival that Kesty Bank was booked for to perform. Yes. And uh, we wanted to film that, but we didn't want to do it in the band room. We wanted to do it outdoors to give it a Trinidad feel. So mm-hmm. we went around looking for mm-hmm. venues and found that Nortec looked good on camera. And we could create this production mm-hmm. for the Brooklyn Festival and do and film it at Nortec. So we went up there, we, we looked at the venue, and we filmed the entire thing, pre-recorded it and edited it and sent it out. And it, it, it got rave reviews. Um, and from, that, from no, the just sorry, to, sorry to cut you, but that, that yeah. Nordic performance from Kess also formed the basis for their We Home um, album, the videos for the album. Well, in parallel, they were in studio recording the We Home album, and then this opportunity came, ar- came about. Mm-hmm. And we decided to try to see how we could fuse the both and do some of the new versions of the songs for this performance. So they were already in the process of recording the album. Okay. And that is what we did. We, we, we took some of the some of the versions because of course, you know, the new the Be Home album was new versions of, of existing songs mm. with a live feel. Yeah. Um, so that you could actually mm-hmm. feel that you're at the show kind of thing as, as opposed to an album or studio recording. Right. And and that is what yes. we used for the um for that performance of Acnotic. And it, it got rave reviews mm. from from people in Brooklyn and the fans. And I was like, then I started to mm-hmm. look at it seriously. And I was like, you know, maybe this is something that, that we need to seriously look at in terms of how we translate live performances for TV. And it seems like a formula like this is something that will work. Uh, because yeah. it was trial and error. I mean, we all trying to see what would work. Um, up to mm-hmm. that point in time, everybody was just doing something on Instagram. Exactly. Um, Everybody was trying to jump on the bandwagon of doing something live. But I never liked live because we couldn't control live. We couldn't control the audio. We couldn't control the internet. We couldn't control the mm-hmm. video quality. We mm-hmm. couldn't control mm-hmm. all of the elements that affect the performance and affect the, the mm-hmm. quality of the show. Me not being able to control it, I stepped away from live. And I was pushing people towards pre-recorded. Right. Um, and even when yeah. I got opportunities to to do anything and they wanted to do it live, I would ask the simple question, why do you want to go live? Can you mm-hmm. give me one benefit of going live that you can't get from mm-hmm. pre-recording? And nobody could answer the question. You know? So if Let you me ask you a question, why you don't mind. The, um, you talked about give you one reason. I, my, my first initial thinking would be cost because I'm thinking that a live event is a live event and somebody's cost already born up front. But your cost, because clearly what you've been doing and what you've been doing, certainly what I've seen this year is, is top quality. As we famously like to say, Trinidad, you're international in terms of your quality. I'm not, I'm right. thinking that your work is not cheap. Uh, aside from recording it, but the post-production, which is what the editing, which is where all the sweetening happens. I'm thinking that is not a very inexpensive thing. Is that correct? You don't have to give me figures, but it's not cheap, is it? No, it's not cheap. It's not cheap. Um, that doesn't mean it's cost everything. Um, but what mm-hmm. it is, is an investment, and 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 the mm-hmm. artists, they have to invest in their product. This is their product. They're selling themselves. Correct. They're selling their music, and as much as mm-hmm. they won't just 
go down the road and 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 record their album in the middle of Charlotte Street. They will go in a proper studio. You know what I mean? They, right. For live for live performances, they would want to get the best quality video and the best quality mm-hmm. audio to be able to have mm-hmm. a well polished product out there. Um, mm-hmm. Because you don't know you don't know who is going to be watching this. Remember, this is streaming to the world, so you don't know mm-hmm. if there's a promoter in China or Africa or a producer mm-hmm. or a record label or somebody watching you, or the link mm-hmm. is just sent into a group chat where that has yeah. somebody of substance, and you want yep. to be able to show yep. yourself in the best possible way. So it's an investment in yourself. Mm-hmm. Of course, that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that. That we go out there and we try to charge the highest amount of money, you know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, it's an investment in our product, it's an investment in my mm-hmm. company as well. To say that we yeah. can align ourselves with a band like Yes Band or or another mm-hmm. band, and we can create a fantastic mm-hmm. product. So, yeah. so it's a give and take, you know. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you price mm-hmm. yourself accordingly so that you can get the opportunity to do it and showcase mm-hmm. the band and also showcase NH Productions as well. One of the things that I'm seeing is that the role of what what do you call yourself a, a videographer? What what is your what how do you term yourself? Um, so there there are many different um, terms that that you could use. The easiest mm-hmm. that that the public can understand is a videographer, mm-hmm. right? The public understands uh-huh. that they understand two things: they understand photographer and videographer. <laughs> when you start to yeah. go down the, when you start to go down the role of director and producer and director of photography and cinematographer mm. and all this kind of thing, all of mm. those are just technical jargons, right? But mm. basically, we are a production house that we do everything um, from yeah. filming it to editing it to directing it to, to helping produce it and to just mm-hmm. to create the overall product. It's like a one-stop shop. Um, so coming out of, of the season, um, Navindra. We, of course, you know, we had so many, we had so many shows. And I mean, we, it, it, at this point, I think it's pretty easy to tell which ones you did because the quality of the production is not a gas yap, I think, of it, but the quality of the production was yeah, definitely big. superior. In terms of the camera, well, the cinematography, it was definitely superior. The editing was definitely superior to, to others. Um, so, and I'm sure you may have looked at other shows. Coming out of this whole, and, and this is large an experiment for everybody because this is brand new territory for so many people. Um, what are some of the things you, learnings coming out of it? Things that you think we could do better, things that we need to do, things that we, we need to take into consideration going forward. Because I know this is, after speaking to a lot of artists, I know this is going to be a, a, a mainstay for a lot of them doing pre-recorded, made for TV events is going to be right there alongside whatever they do, um, because you reach, obviously, you get a bigger global reach, and for the reasons that you explain, or you don't know who's watching it, don't know who's sharing it, where where you could, you know, opportunities that could open for you. <clears throat> so what are some of the things coming out of this that you yourself would have learned, you yourself think we need to do better, and generally from what you've seen that we just need to implement going forward? Right, so so I came up with this, this I mean, I, I've been telling people this little phrase for the past few months, in order to make your image better, you must first start by making your image better. Now, let me explain Ooh. that to you, right? Um, Boom. It's, it's easy for us to have all the, all, the, all the good cameras. I mean, cameras, it's not like long ago. All cameras are good now, right? Most cameras are, are good, and they can, they can create fantastic imagery out of it. Right. But there comes a point in time 
where you could have the best cameras and your image still doesn't look good. In order to make that image in your camera look good, you have to actually go and make the image of what you're filming look good. And that's what we decided to do. And that is where, let me give you the story of We Home, the first We Home, which I could mm-hmm. consider a, my, a milestone in the virtual productions in Trinidad. <clears throat> I agree. So Tess came to me with the, uh, came to me with the idea of doing um, this We Home concert. And he wanted to fashion it kind of on the NPR's tiny desk, mm. um, where it was in this room, and there would just be the band jamming, and we'll film it. So we went to this location yeah. where they had this room, and he said, this is the location he wanted to film it in. I looked at it, and I was like, um, it looks too office for me, and I do like how the shelves look. I do like the color on the wall. I do think, I said, Kes, I do think this is going to translate good to Video Boy. He said, well, what do you think we could do? I said, well, how about we create a backdrop, right? Behind that cover of the walls. And we just come and do it on three sides, the back wall and the two side walls. And uh, we could use that backdrop to kind of pretty up the, the space a little bit. And we could bring in a little bit of props and just make it look like a, a, a living room or something something homely because people are watching this virtually we could do it and make it feel homely mm-hmm. and at the time the album was we were calling it we mm-hmm. home so mm-hmm. and they, and nicholas huggins had already done the artwork the cover art with the and the animated cover art and that kind of thing and i told Kessa, say we can use the artwork and paint the backdrop to make it look like the inside of our, our house and Kess yes. is like you know that's a real good idea i have demand for the job so you contacted ben Gaia. Who did, mm-hmm. of, who did a lot of work for for Kes. And we met with Ben. And Ben, we gave Ben the idea and Ben just ran with it and created this fantastic, this beautiful set that was so simple. Mm-hmm. And we just took that set and we mm-hmm. installed that in Kes's, um in the band's band room. And we filmed the show right there. Mm-hmm. I was blown away by the visuals. I mean, when, <laughs> when, you, when the yeah. videographer and the editor is blown away by how the thing looks, you know we do something good. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was very yeah. proud of that. And it was from that that we started to kind of um, raise the bar in terms of the level of production. And it brought us back to the thing, uh, the, the phrase that I was saying, in order to make your image better, first start by making your image better. First start by making what you are filming look good. And then what you see in the camera is going to look excellent. So yes. I... Mm-hmm. I started to stray away from having to do live concerts with just some trusting and some lights. I think we're beyond that. I think we could allow our imagination to get the better of us and we could create something. It will have to be very expensive. Look at what Irfan Isles mm-hmm. did. I loved Irfan Isles' yes. production. It was very simple. It was done in, yes. a, in a house with some, with, with some creative lighting, creative camera work, and positioning. Mm-hmm. I was 45 minutes through and it was very well done. Yes. And that did not cost a lot of money. You just have to have the right imagination, put the right elements in place, make it as simple as you can afford and or complicated as you can afford and film it properly, right? So in terms of the structure, I would say that having your set design and your performance mm-hmm. set are the two most important things that you need to have to have a proper show. What your backdrop is, and what the songs and the sequence in which you're doing your songs are the most important mm-hmm. things. Videography and filming, it comes last. 
as, as mm. you say this, I'm 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 reminded mm. of the other concert that stood out for me in Carnival this year, which was Batson Show. Kesse Show was filmed indoor with a set and um, recorded and of course post production. I'm assuming you also did the same thing with Nadia, but Nadia was filmed outdoors in natural space at the Five Islands Resort. Tell me a little bit, if right. you don't mind, about the difficulties, if there were difficulties in that particular production, being outdoors and having to deal with the elements and that kind of stuff. Right. So so the idea for Nadia's show is that um, when they approached me, I mean, I, I filmed Nadia's art form show last year, but she had it, it would, at the in-person event for 2020. And uh, mm-hmm. when she came back to me and she said, listen, I want to do art form three and uh, we want to do it virtually. <laughs> And I was like, no problem. And I told her, I say, I don't want no ideas where we're going to have some trust and some lights and that's the end of that. I need to have a proper set. We want to have a show. I want to do something grand. So they were the mm-hmm. ones that went about looking at venues, looking at locations. And they came back to me with the idea of, what, what do you think about doing this thing in Five Islands? And immediately I was like, what? We could get Five Islands? If we could get five, I thought that was I brilliant. I want to. Do, I found that was brilliant. That was brilliant. So, so I said, so how come you decide you want to do it in five islands? So I called his manager said, "Well, you tell me no, no trusting and lighting and and no 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 regular thing. You want something grand?" I was like, well, "All right, let's do it." Mm. So it took a little negotiation with five islands to kind of get them on board in terms of what we were trying to accomplish. So we negotiated with five islands to be able to have the event. And um, to have the virtual day, and we went down to do a side visit. And when I went down to do the side visit, I was blown away by the, the backdrop, especially the backdrop of those huge slides. And immediately I thought that I wanted Nadia's show to look like a rock concert, a soca rock concert in, let's say, some place like Kissing or Six Flags. That was the vision that I came up with. And I told Nadia that vision, and I told her, I said, listen, I want to do this whole intro sequence with you in this big costume and be coming through the, with the Moko Jumbies and all the carnival characters and that kind of thing. We came up with the whole idea right then and there at that meeting at Five Islands, and then we executed it. But she also, at, at, at the same time of that meeting, she said she had this song called A Love Note to Carnival, and she wanted to mm-hmm. film herself walking through the streets of Portestain in a carnival costume singing the song mm-hmm. for, for people. And we thought that that was a good idea that we could shoot that music video and also tie it into the, the art form introdu- introduction and film the whole show there. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, it's one good. of the disadvantages, one of the disadvantages of, of filming in the outdoor is that the weather, you know, you're, 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 you're kind of um, dependent on the weather. But I mean, fortunately, it's the dry season. So we knew that the chance of rain, mm-hmm. especially in the nighttime, mm-hmm. is minimal. Yeah. Um, because we shot this at the end of January. Mm. And what definitely looked good was that the natural breeze was blowing through the air and you could see her hair blowing in the wind um, while she was performing, you know? That's something that you can't get from from doing a virtual indoors. Yeah, uh, that that show was really well done. It really set the standard. Um, some of the, t- so you talk about creativity, imagination, about image, but what are some of the technical things um, you think that we also need to look at? Because I was, for me, um, looking at some of the productions, the editing seemed to be messy. Um, camera angles seemed to be, you know, messy. Um, just little things. I feel like there wasn't enough consideration that we were performing for people in the camera. 
we are performing for people who are watching this at home. Not we're not performing to ourselves. We're not, you know. So little things like people turning their backs towards the camera or the constant movement that that you know is like you have a show by yourself and I'm just watching you have this show, but you're not. I'm not feeling a connection with you and me. You know, um, little, little things like not having the name of the song on screen. So I have to. I don't know what song this is. Like, what's the name of this song? You know, little things like that. What are some of the technical things you think we need to look at? Yeah, I mean, you're hitting the nail on your head. All of those things. I mean, some, something as simple as um, I have I have a lot of pet peeves when it comes to production and turning turning it back to get the camera, that kind of thing. Um, I, I even in in some of these virtual productions, I I cut and I was like, stop, 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 stop. stop. You have to do this over, guys. Remember. You're performing for the audience. This is this is a, this is the tiny frame that you are performing in, and you're performing for these people. So you have to keep that connection. You have to be talking to the, the camera. You have to know which. First of all, you have to know which camera you're speaking to. Mm-hmm. Right? So I would do something as very simple as I would take a light and I would put it on top of the main camera and put that light on so that the artist, even though the camera people are in total darkness. The artist could Thank you very much. speak to the light, speak to the light, and know the direction in which they're speaking to. You know what I mean? So it's very, very simple things. So whenever you see these mistakes happen, chalk it up to, to lack of experience. Because a lot of people, and I don't mean lack of experience in a party, right? I mean, you, you, you don't start off by having experience. You start off by learning. So mm-hmm. in, in a lot of these other productions, um, some of, sometimes these are people's first times in doing it or editing it and that kind of thing, and they will figure it out eventually for the next one, and that's okay. You know what I mean? Um, even for me, I look at every single one and I look at all the mistakes because it helps me learn what mistakes not. You mm-hmm. know? And likewise, people would look at minds and look at, at things that they see I do, and they would learn as well. It's all a learning process, and we're all here to kind of teach each other and and move the whole industry forward. It's not about me being selfish and me trying to be the best. It's about me trying to put out something that other people can learn from. And then I can learn from their things as well. Yeah. As I said, as you're, as you're talking about moving the industry forward, I, I want I want to, talk, to circle back to something I was thinking about before, about the role of the videographer now in the industry as opposed to two years ago. Now with the pandemic and everybody stuck at home and the only way to engage with live performances, which was the biggest generator of revenue for artists and things. Now we literally have to sit in front of a TV screen or a, a phone or something so to watch the thing. The role of the videographer, as, as far as I see, has now risen to the top more so than the, even possibly the song, song engineer in the live situation. You have taken that role based on the, what, the work that I've seen in terms of your life of concerts this year, in terms of some of the videos that you've produced over the years for some of these soca artists. In terms of the larger experience, certainly in the Caribbean and thing, we know that you work in Trinidad and we know that you tour with major soca artists like Marshall and Kess. What about your work with other Caribbean islands? Is that something on the radar for you or have you done it already? If you don't mind like, sharing some of that experience. Well, well, first, sound engineers are extremely, extremely important because um, with videography comes sound. And you could have very good video with bad sound and you will be turned off. Mm-hmm. Conversely, you can have bad video very good sound, and you can still watch it. It's still, it's still mm-hmm. watchable. Exactly. You understand? So the sound yeah. engineer, and, yeah, and like I this. particularly, and I particularly pay a lot, a lot of attention towards sound. I work very closely with the sound engineers for most of these, for all of these recordings, and we go back and forth. I mean, if you talk to any one of them, they will tell you that I'm very irritating when it comes to me. <laughs> to the, the audio. 
<laughs> I would send them back and have them fixing all kind of things. Right? Because the sound has to be perfect. Mm-hmm. As again, I've said, this is the artist's image. And, and an artist is nothing without their audio. You know what I mean? That is why you could have an album. Yeah. The album has no video on it. The album is just music. So audio is exactly. very, very vital and very important. And mm-hmm. I did find that in many of the productions, audio was terrible, I, I must say. And, and that is not because of the, the audio engineers, right? They're doing what they do best. They were trained in mixing for live shows, in-person shows. And mixing for live shows and mixing mm-hmm. for television broadcasts is two totally different mm-hmm. things. It's different. totally different. It's very much different because you see, remember, you are mixing for a live in-person show based on the acoustics of the space that you are in. Yes. Right? Those mm-hmm. acoustics are not the same for somebody listening in a, in a living room. So you mm-hmm. you try you kind of have to mix your audio closer to what an album mix sounds like or a record mix sounds like, but with some live elements in it. Wow. Um, so it's different. So it's again it's a learning curve, and uh, because I've been trying to do a lot of this playing around with it since 2014 with Soka Monarch and doing my own mixes of the Soka Monarch show, I know what is the sound that I am looking for, and that is the mm-hmm. sound that I feel sounds good now mm-hmm. in terms of you say um working with all of the other smaller islands and so on yeah i I've, I've been to almost every caribbean island and i would definitely i mean i haven't worked with any of the the islands per se um but that is something that i would definitely love to do to work with some of these other smaller islands mm-hmm. in terms of um showcasing what they have showcasing their you know their, their carnivals showcasing their their islands so you really haven't worked with the other islands, but um, and I may have misspoke when I said the sound engineer was a primary within the, the kind of mix. Saying I was thinking about the promoter, really, the live the live music concert promoter, because what I was thinking is that your role as a videographer and as as a production house where video is is the primary product and thing certainly has a role of taking the music very 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 far, right? With just a, a press of a button as it was. It would be, well, in terms of what we do here on, us, on this podcast and talking about the business of music and business of soca music also, I think that 2021 and going forward, persons like yourself in the industry are now going to be big players in terms of how the music is distributed. Right? Now Spotify is in the Caribbean and you have Apple Music and all that kind of stuff. Have you ever thought about creating your own platform? Just like a mini YouTube, a Caribbean YouTube or some kind of thing. I am trying to push it in directions of business, but... This is the kind of thinking, because what you've done, certainly on the ground, is pioneering and is groundbreaking. But in terms of, let's let's try and expand the business. You're already headed the game. <laughs> let, me, let me pick your brain. Yeah, I know. Video is very, very, very important. And unfortunately for me, I was able to see that very early on, almost nine years ago. Um, and that was at a time where you only had YouTube. There was no Instagram video. Um, Facebook had something that was not very good at. Um, as a product in terms of video, they were mostly dependent on YouTube links, that kind of thing. So it was only if you did video, you did it. You did video for YouTube. Now that social media has taken off yeah. with, with 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 Instagram and TikTok and all of these platforms embracing video, we are at the point where video is king. If you are an artist and you do not have a video for your song, you are doing music wrong. That's a plain and say it again, right? If you are an artist and you are and you do not have video um, as part of your thing, then you're doing music wrong, right? 
music nowadays has to embody um, video because video brings a whole different aspect. I'll give you an example. I've done a music videos, a couple of music videos, well, for Farmer. And some, some are hits, some are not so, so much great hits. But when to are in the Caribbean, we would find that some things that we would think is not a hit in Trinidad is a big hit outside any Caribbean. And when we try to investigate and find out why this song doing so good all up the islands and it not doing good in Trinidad, it's because mm-hmm. the video is being played up the islands on their local TV station. So they get wow. to, to see mm-hmm. the song, they get to see a different side of the song. So you don't know. So you see, a lot of the artists think about being big in Trinidad. But being big in Trinidad is good, but you could be big elsewhere as well. You know? And that being big elsewhere could help you come back to be big in Trinidad. Or big yeah. in, 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 in the industry. So video is extremely mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. And promoters promoters as well. I have a pet peeve with promoters. They never respected the videographer and the and, and what the videographer could have done. Right? They would have quicker gone to a photographer um, because the photographer was a lot cheaper um, mm-hmm. in terms of the services and put out photos of mm-hmm. their party and that kind of thing. But a well produced video mm-hmm. from an event could sell off your party next year and double and triple your numbers. And but Navendra, we just have to... The, 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 the perfect example of that is Marshall's Fog video. Look what it did for Soka. Exactly. Like, promoters would be promoters exactly. would be completely dumb to <laughs> yes. ignore the effect a good video could have on your event. And especially exactly. now, mm-hmm. coming mm-hmm. out of the COVID period, going forward and the global reach that your event can have. I don't think they'll be disrespecting or not not seeing not seeing the importance of videographers anymore because as I said, this this live stream component is going to be pretty powerful and it's going to remain as something that a lot of events are going to have. So yeah, yeah, so yeah. I think it's, yeah, a new, yeah. it's a new dawn. It is a new dawn. And that's what I'm saying that that, that the pandemic hit and yes there were some devastating effects of the pandemic. But also a lot of good things happened out of it. Um, it was a it was a, a milestone change in our thinking as a society um, and as a world in the way that we go forward in terms of embracing technology for, for a lot of things, especially like the principles in Trinidad. Um, because of the pandemic, e-commerce is now becoming um, a much more normal thing than it would have been in the past. Correct. People was kind of pushing back Correct. on e-commerce. Now e-commerce is becoming a big thing. So similarly with, with videography, that is also becoming a big thing. Um, and it being embraced by a lot of companies, uh, a lot of organizations, a lot of promoters. Everybody wants to do something live. They want to do some implement video in their marketing uh, from small companies to huge companies, you know, with varying ranges of budgets. So, I mean, now is the time. The opportunity is right now. Which, which leads me to, which brings me to my next question what are some of the career opportunities that people could now look to go after in with this new industry that is emerging? We need a lot more editors. Yes, we need camera people as well, but we need a lot more editors. And we need editors who could, who could, who could bring together a vision and, and make the director's vision come to life. That's what we need in this industry. Because editing takes up a lot of time when you're doing it right. Um, you could film something for one hour, but it will take you three days to edit it, um, depending on, on what it is you're filming and what it is you're editing. So editing takes up a lot of time. And for us, 
um, small small companies. I mean, I consider myself a small company where we have a very small team. We do a lot of the shooting and editing in-house. So we have to balance um, how much things we, we film and how much things we edit. Because what could happen is that we will end up filming things that we don't have the time to edit, and that's bad business, you know? But if there were capable editors out there, a lot, I mean, there are capable editors out there, but if there were a lot more capable editors out there, you'd have more content being produced because you have the ability to be able to edit it. Yeah, that's good. So all these people who are listening, um, videographers, and, and, and or who people who have strong editing skills, if you're listening to this, there are opportunities out there for you. I think, I think even in terms of, of, as you were talking about the image, even in terms of, you know, set designers, um, and, 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 and graphic artists and, and, you know, even, even in terms of fashion, I think there's, there's so many opportunities now for us to build a real proper industry around the music. And, you know, one of the things that I was really disappointed about is that Trinidad and Tobago as a whole. I loved how the I loved how the, 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 the artists came and they invested in themselves and they put themselves out there. Um, it was not money making thing for any of these artists. Um, some some of them got sponsorship, some didn't get as much sponsorship and they had to put out of their own pocket, mm-hmm. but they invested in themselves. And what I was disappointed about is that Trinidad and Tobago did not invest in themselves. Um, we had the opportunity to be able to showcase the Trinidad Carnival virtually in such a grand way, right? That Navendra, that, do start me up. Navendra, no, do no, start yeah. me up. <laughs> I mean, ah, go ahead. You finish your thought. Come yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I would have loved to see uh, a full-blown international production on the Mashka that incorporated Pan and Calypso and Soka and Kings and Queens and all of these elements of carnival just to create a two or three hour show that could have gone out to the world um it would have it would have cost it would have cost the government some money to, to invest in it but let's say it cost five million dollars five million dollars is no kind of money to put out to invest in a country's culture right especially in this time and it would have been it, it would have gone down to rave reviews everywhere in the world everywhere and that was a ball that was dropped, and I am totally disappointed by it. Navendra, you listen. I I I know exactly what you've been saying. I I what you're saying. I am extremely disappointed myself. Um, prior to in the lead up in the lead up to our carnival season, I had actually done an article interview with with Notting Hill Carnival committee head of the committee Matthew Phillip about what they did because I found it was so impressive that they had they had planned this content they got three channels on YouTube that was running live simultaneously for three days and they had you know everything about Notting Hill Carnival on display they had interviews with band leaders with steel bands it, it really gave the international audience an insight into what Notting Hill Carnival really is you know, the whole yeah. background into it. They pre-recorded everything. They packaged this content. I was like, this is what we should be doing. So uh, yeah. this is what I expected us to do, to package content, even if it was for a five-day period, a two-day period, to package content, have an umbrella buddy, whether the NCC or whoever, bring together all the creators in the country and say, okay, different carnival groups, what do you plan to do? What can we record? And bring together everyone and really take the opportunity to show the world what Trinidad Carnival is. 
that we are not the same as every other West Indian carnival. This is why we call ourselves the Mecca. This is why we are different. These are the elements that make Trinidad Carnival and really market it to the world. And I was so disappointed that we did not do that. We didn't have the vision to do that. We, we were caught up in definitions of a virtual carnival, which was nonsense. We just did not get yeah. the vision. We didn't understand the whole... We, we complain every year about, well, Jamaica, we're not still carnival, we don't market carnival. But we didn't jump on the opportunity that, the, that this pandemic provided us to really tell the world, this is who we are, to make the world understand, this is why you come to Trinidad. Because nobody, yeah. no other carnival comes close to what we have to offer. And we just yeah. dropped the ball completely. Instead, we had a million little events where we were basically talking to ourselves, <laughs> and the rest of the world was like, okay, so what did I learn about Trinidad Khan? Well, nothing. So that's why I said, like, yeah. so because they kept the music going, but outside of that, there was just no national effort. And I, I'm so, so disappointed. I can't even begin to express how disappointed I am that we did not, as you say, we dropped the ball on it, you know? I'm passionate yeah. about Laura, it because Laura, this has me, been. <laughs> Laura and Navrinja, let me just jump on my little uh, my little soapbox here. This thing, as I said, I, just like you, Laura, I also wrote on this thing a couple of articles and was commented uh, even upon a panel that you were talking about this whole concept about the new carnival, and it, and clearly the the public sector and the political se- political sector they had their reasons for stopping carnival this year because of the pandemic. That's real. Let's not water that down. But as you have said, and as Laura has said, the opportunity was ripe for an, for a, another version and another vision for what Carnival was. But what I saw, of course, was the idea, and Laura kind of mentioned it with the artists doing it, and certainly some sponsors getting on board, is what this idea of a private sector taking Carnival and literally removing it from the state. Right? It's, it's a very radical idea, admittedly, and it's something that harkens back to the early, early days of Carnival when Carnival had us and them. But there was something about the role of persons in your industry, persons in the soccer industry, singers that is, and like-minded sponsors who have a vision that is beyond what the politicians say. Because they, they could have rescued Carnival. Um, you just called a figure $5 million to put together this kind of production. That's chalk and cheese. That's pittance of what they actually spend every year for Carnival. And you, and we, have, we all know yeah. that they spend close to $150 million every year is, is, is spent to produce Carnival. But what you're speaking yeah. about here, I, it is, it's very apparent the, this Trinidad and Tobago government dropped the ball. And you're correct. The vision going forward for you in, in, in NH Productions, vis-a-vis Carnival, vis-a-vis Soka, is it this kind of grand, grand productions? Are you seeing this as your future? Massive pre-recorded concerts, taking artists and taking the music and possibly taking a, a Carnival on a, in a day in August. <laughs> Some other thing, so and taking it to do it because my feeling is the government can only take us far to the private sector to do it. Let me know your thoughts on that. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I mean that that is an opportunity that I would have jumped at at, at doing, and um, doing something for your country at such a, a a grand stage is is like a career goal for anybody. It, it would not have been about the money for me, right? Because the money would come after the fact. I would have done it for free. Personally, I would have, I, I would really? have, go, I would have gone on board and donated my services hmm. to do something like that. You know, if if that was the case, right? Um, I've done it many times in the past. Wherever I see that there's a cause, um, I would donate my services, and nobody has to know that. You know what I mean? Um, and going forward, there will be 
uh, a space for all of these rituals, we will have we will have what we call hybrid carnivals. There will still be the inclusion stuff, um, and then there there, yes. there will be these, yes. these virtual these virtual type of events because these virtual type of events reach a much broader audience than what you can reach um, in in person concerts. Right. That is that's the goal. You want to be able to reach the world because the bigger the population that you reach, the more the more albums you could sell, the more records you could sell. And that is the goal. You want to be able to it's sell your music. It's a volume it's, business. It's a business. Yeah. it's a business. Exactly. Yeah. And then that whole feed that feeds into the whole streaming service, people downloading your music. Yeah, it's a it's a it's it's a, it's a business. And I think this is a excellent note upon which to end it, Nigel. And that is really a great opportunity and a, re- a kind of great point, and as you rightly say, to kind of wrap up the idea of the, the role of videography and film and virtual events. I agree with you 100%. It's an opportunity that was missed for Carnival in Trinidad and Tobago. Hopefully, we'll see that there are other carnivals that may become virtual going down the road. NH Productions may be part of that as a leader in Trinidad and certainly a leader in the Caribbean. And I would like me, Nigel Campbell, would like to thank Renja Habukan for being part of this podcast here with myself and Laura. Um, technical issues aside, <laughs> I hope we can have conversations again with persons like you. Thank you very much for having me. Navendra, thank Not you very much. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this discussion. I, I thoroughly enjoyed your insight and your wisdom. And, you know, I, I look forward to seeing more of what you have to do and offer. Thank you. Thank you, Nigel. So, guys, you know, this has been another informative edition of Music Matters. Um, we thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, you can follow us on Instagram, on Facebook, and, you know, leave us some comments. Interact with us. Tell us who, what, what topics you'd like to hear, who, what, who you'd like us to interview, okay? And we will always be here. And um, that's about it for today's edition of Music Matters, the Caribbean edition. I'm Nigel Campbell. And I'm Laura Dorich Phillips. We'll see you guys next time. Bye! hey everyone thanks so much for listening to music matters the caribbean edition if you enjoyed the podcast please like subscribe and follow us on facebook and instagram at music matters caribbean and if you want to listen to our previous podcasts and keep up with our new material check out the website podcast.iradio.tt or listen and subscribe on apple podcasts stitcher TuneIn, Radio Public, and more of your favorite podcast platforms.